are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I like that. Was there ever a time in your life when you felt like you lacked direction? So maybe it was... uh, about career, or maybe it was about even you hadn't quite decided where you were going to be, or maybe yet haven't decided where you're going to be in your journey with God. Once in a while, a parent of a teenager or someone in their, you know, early 20s, or a parent of someone in their 30s, or maybe a parent of someone in their 40s, might say, my son or my daughter lacks direction, you know? And I feel like, Pastor Rick, it impacts every area of their lives. They make decisions I don't understand. And it's not that they're bad kids. I just think they don't have yet established a direction for their lives. Now, now you understand that concept very well, right? Probably there's people that are popping into your mind right now, or maybe you're popping into your mind right now. You know somebody who seems to lack direction, and it does. It affects every area of their lives. So that principle, when we lack direction, it affects every area of our lives. I want you to take it with you for a moment and apply it to people who are followers of Jesus, okay? People who say, I am all in. I am a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. I live my life after the life of Jesus. I seek to follow Jesus with everything in me. When we are focused on the mission that Jesus has called us to, all right? Now, we know what the mission is. You're not going to argue with me about the mission. Jesus makes it really clear. He says in the Great Commission, when He commissions us to go about our mission, He says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's talking about people who are not yet Christian, okay? You wouldn't just go start baptizing a bunch of people who already have been baptized. You don't re-baptize a bunch of people who have already been baptized. He's talking about new converts. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you disciple them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's why we talk all the time here about We are passionate. We want to help people come to know Jesus. And we want to help people become more like Jesus. You hear it every Sunday that you come here. And the reason we talk about helping people come to know Jesus and helping people become like Jesus is because that's the commission. That's what Jesus said your mission is. This is what your life is to be about. This is where your heart is supposed to beat. And so when we are focused on the mission... It affects every area of our lives. Lean in. Even even as believers, our relationships with one another. I feel like uh, for the last uh, four minutes, I've been talking kind of fast. And uh, you're trying to kind of get with me. So let me just pause. Pump the brakes a little bit here. Think about your own life with me for a minute. Is this where your heart beats? Is this what you're passionate about? 
Are you focused on the mission that Jesus has given you? And if you say, Rick, I'm really not, especially like I know I should be, then how would it change your life if you were? How would it impact you? Let me, let me take you to the book of Acts, okay? We're in a series called Church, and we're looking at that early church. So grab a Bible, if you will, and flip over to the book of Acts chapter 4 today. Acts chapter 4, okay? And I'm going to start with verse 32. Now, they have, been, they have been told that they cannot talk about Jesus anymore. In fact, they've been threatened, and they've been threatened that they're going to be whipped. We are going to... We are going to whip you in the street. We're going to leave you laying in your own puddle of blood. We're going to cut your back to pieces is what we're going to do. You are messing with the wrong people here. You've got to stop, and we mean now. We're serious. And here's what happens when you move on to the next passage. Verse 32 of chapter 4, All the believers were one in heart and mind. And so there was great unity in the church. They were not confused about who they were or what they were supposed to be doing, okay? They were very focused. They had a mission. They were one in heart. They were one in mind. There was lots of unity. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. I love that, don't you? And, and, I, and I'll bet you that, well, I'm not betting anybody really, but I, I would imagine that somewhere along your life in church world, You've seen it look like this. Yeah, I mean, if, you know the people I attend church with, we loan each other things and we share and we give and that's the way the body of Christ works. But I want you to pay a special attention to verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued, even though they were warned, warned to never talk about Jesus again, with great power, power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and I think what we're seeing now is just kind of a, a byproduct of being so focused together on the mission, because it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, and maybe that's extra land or extra houses, sold them. And they brought the money from the cells and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anybody who had need. And then he gives an example. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned. And he brought the money. And he put it at the apostles' feet. And then there's another example that I will tell you about in a minute, about a man whose name was Ananias, whose, name, whose wife's name was Sapphira. I want you to understand what they were doing by giving each other things and selling property and saying, if somebody is really in need, I want you to, I want you to help them out. It was not an obligation. 
It was not a rule. It was simply a spontaneous response. Because here was the mindset. We are on a mission, all right? We have something that Jesus has asked us to do, like Jesus has asked you and I to do it. And, and so we are marching in the same army, right? I mean, we're on the same team, you and me. I mean, we are in the same family, right? It's not that somebody has said, I'm obligated to do this. It's not even that it's a rule that I have to do this. This is kind of a spontaneous response. And so if you are a soldier marching in the army with me and you need a pair of boots and I've got money to buy boots, then I will buy you a pair of boots so you and I can keep marching in this army together to accomplish this mission that Jesus has asked us to do. Does that make sense? Man, I feel like I ought to just say it again. So you get it, right? So... So it's not like they were obligated or it was a rule that the apostles said you have to do. It was a spontaneous response. If you and I are on the same team, we're marching in the army, we're all about this mission. We know what we are supposed to do. We know where our life is supposed to go. We know what we are to be involved in and committed to. And if you're doing this with me, but you need something, then I'll buy it for you if I have the money. Because I want you to keep marching with me. You with me? I'm worked up. All right. So here we go. Once I remember where we're going. So I'll give you an example, he says. There's this guy named Barnabas. Actually, his name was Joseph from Cyprus, but the disciples called him Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. This guy was an encourager. And he had this field, like this extra piece of land, probably, is what we're assuming they mean by that. And, uh, and he sold it. And he brought the money to Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, why don't you put this money in the treasury, okay? And, uh, and since there's so much poverty here in Jerusalem among our Christian brothers and sisters, uh, if some of them, you know, have a need, maybe you could just kind of help them out with it a little bit. And then he tells a second story about a guy whose name is Ananias and his wife's name is Sapphira. And the reason you don't name your kids Ananias and Sapphira, <laughs> instead you name them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is because of this story. They go and they say, wow, look at what Barnabas did. He sold the field. Give all the money. So they go sell some, sell some land that they have. And, and Ananias comes to Peter and said, Peter, we sold some land. And uh, if any of our brothers and sisters, you know, are in poverty and they have a need, maybe you can just kind of pass out a little and help them out some. And Peter said, Ananias, why did you lie? Ananias says, I, what do you, me? Ananias, you know, it brought more than that. You, you could have kept back all that you wanted. I mean, wasn't the field yours in the first place? You didn't even have to sell it. But if you did sell it, you could have brought a portion if you wanted. It doesn't matter. It was yours to give. Why did you lie and say, this is how much it brought, knowing that it brought more and you kept some back? You didn't, you didn't just lie to me, Ananias. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias dropped dead. And they bring his wife in. And they ask her, and she goes, no, this is what it brought. Really? And she dropped dead. 
And fear went through the whole church. Don't lie to God. And let me ask you a question. Was Barnabas all in? He was all in. Because I have this mission that God has called me to, that Jesus asked me to do. We're doing this together. We're all on the same team. We're in the same army, right? We're members of the same family. We all got the same cause. We're fighting for the same purpose. And if, and if you need something and I've got it, I'll help you out because I need you to be strong to march with me. Was Ananias and Sapphira all in? No. This question might sting a little bit. You ready? Did they want to appear to be all in? Yeah. What a temptation, huh? When we come to church on Sundays and we get with all the other Christians, it sure is better, isn't it? If we seem to be all in. I would just assume everybody here thinks I'm all in. I'm okay with projecting a little image. If that helps. I would rather people not know I'm not all in. Passionate? <laughs> I don't know that I'm passionate about helping others come to know Jesus, Pastor Rick. I don't know that I'm passionate about helping people become like Jesus, but just for the sake of the community, it works a little better if they all think I am. I've always liked a good image. So if when we are focused on the mission, it affects every area of our lives, and even our relationships with each other, fellow believers, what, why is it so important that we talk about it? And, and I think the reason is, is that when we are not focused there, we obviously have another mission. And, and whatever that mission is, I, I, I know that that is where Jesus has called me to go, right there, right there, okay? But I'm not going there. I'm actually headed over here. And, and if that mission is comfort, if that mission is, is money, if that mission is hobby, if that mission, what, whatever it is, whatever, then I'm actually taking energy resources from here and I'm putting it there, okay? And when I do that, that really creates a lack of unity within the body. And I find myself in division with other people who are Christian, and we tend to squabble and fight over things, and sometimes I'm perceived as selfish or greedy because I'm putting everything there. 
to what my life is really about when I know that my life should really be about this. This, this is hard preaching, don't you agree? This is a little bit bitter, don't you think? Because in America today, it seems to me that we have reduced being Christian to going to a church and giving a little of our resources. But it wasn't what Jesus had in mind at all when he said, follow me. He said, I want your whole life. I, I want you to focus right here. This is where I want you to go. This is direction for you. This is what you give your whole life to. It's not that you give your whole life to something else and on Sundays you come to church. Very different way to think about living a life. If, if you got focused here, if this was, became your direction, if you said, okay, my life is about helping people come to know Jesus, helping people become like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus myself and doing all of those things, if that was your life, How would your life look different? Now, for some of you, that's your life. I hang out with you and I see it. And you blow me away and you show me up. But if that's not where you're going, how would that affect everything in your life? So what do we, what do, we do? Okay, I think that's always a great question to ask on Sunday mornings. I've read this, now what am I going to do what is Jesus asking me to do? I have a, a picture of a shoe that is the coolest shoe I've ever seen in my life. And I wanted to show it to you because um, I just think it's a great idea, okay? Um, it's a shoe that grows, okay? And that's, that's where you can find it, theshoethatgrows.com. Um, you see the front flap? Um, you just keep moving that up and back depending on the size of the foot of the child and then the back strap moves, and then the side strap moves. It's made with very durable material. If you could see it, um, I don't think it shows there as well, but it looks like it's a car tire is what it looks like, actually. When you just look at one, hold one in your hand. And, uh, and I think it's one of the most awesome shoes I've ever seen in my life. So let me, let me tell you a story. I was in Swaziland uh, this past July, and, and so I kind of got to organize this this process of this happening. And so college students sitting on a chair made for kindergarten students, okay? Kindergarten students sitting on a chair made for college students with their foot in the lap of the college student. And the college student is putting these shoes on these kids and they are, they are sizing them for them. And the shoe grows five more sizes. I, I remember when my kids were little, we would like buy shoes and Annette says, we need to go get some shoes. I'm going, those shoes look fine. She says, she's outgrown them. Her foot is just, you know, and this shoe just keeps growing. So you give a kid a shoe, and it's not only that he has a shoe today, but he has a shoe for the next five sizes. And the shoe is so durable that it can be passed down, and the next kid wears it for the next five sizes. The shoes that grow.com. And here's the way you can get involved you can give to it. Or, and here's what we did they said, click here if you want to take the shoes to someone who needs them. Isn't that awesome? And so we took bundles of shoes into Swaziland with us, and we gave them to kids. And when I think about something like that, I just go, what a generous heart. Who is the person behind this? I want to meet the guy. And he's actually a friend of our children's pastor, Marcus LeBaron. I just think, is this not awesome? Does this not just, like, do you, 
Think about a person like that and just think, God, give me a heart like that. I mean, this person, do you understand that kids get diseases from not having shoes on? Do you understand that if you don't have shoes in most, even third world countries, you don't go to school? No shoes, no school. And that pair of shoes changes a kid's life forever. Awesome. So I have this other friend. He calls me on occasion and he says, okay, here's what I want to give to. He's always got some idea in his head. Sometimes he'll give money, you know, to our church and we'll get involved with him and help him. But one day he calls me and he says, I want to give some money to kids who are not going to eat if I don't give this money. I want to give some money to kids who aren't going to eat if I don't give this money. And so we have this awesome thing happening. We left the Child Development Center in July in Intendozi and went over to Enduma. And there, and I thought you might want to see a picture too, I brought a couple pictures, we serve food. And so you see that line of kids right there? They're all coming to this pot and these are our college students serving the food. And if they stand in that line, they get a scoop of, notice the little boy's shoe, he doesn't have one on. They get a scoop of rice and a scoop of pinto beans. And they eat it with their fingers. There's nowhere to wash their hands prior to. And not one student around passes on the rice and the beans. I have this other friend. He spends most of his energy trying to get clean water to people who can't have access to clean water. He runs races. He raises money. He goes on trips. His whole life, he just, he's so consumed with this idea that I can go to my water tap and get a glass of water and it's clean. So many people don't have access and he just gives his life to that. When I think about these levels of generosity where their lives are just like, I want to help somebody that can't get this for themselves. I want to give something away. I want to do something to help. I just think, wow, what an incredible spirit. Now, here's what we talk about here at Bethany First Church. We talk about, we value being with God. We value being with one another in community, okay? We value being with others, people who are not yet following Jesus, and we value living generously. And we talk about it in two ways, serving, giving of our time, and giving of our resources. And so here's what happens on a day like today. Here's what we say. We say, you know what? I should be more generous. I want to be more generous. And then you have guys like me who stand up on Sunday mornings and tell you what you should do because that's what preachers are really good at. We're good at telling people what they should do. You should do this. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. I hate it when people tell me what I should do. When people say to me, you should read that book, I think I'm not reading that book just because you said I should read it. They didn't do it out of obligation. It wasn't a rule. It was a spontaneous response. 
if you're my brother and my sister, and we're marching in this army together, even if you live in Swaziland, and you really need something so you can keep marching in the army, and I have it, then why wouldn't I give it to you? We're fighting for the same cause, for heaven's sakes, we're on the same team. We're in the same army. Besides that, you're my brother. Did you see the difference in saying, if I can just muster up enough strength, energy, commitment, try, if I can just get enough try, you know, rolling? No, 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 it wasn't like that at all. Because when you focus on the mission, it impacts every area of your life, including the way that you relate to one another. So should I become more generous? Or should I just focus on the mission? How much broken would that fix in my life? If I got myself focused on where God wants me to be, where Jesus has called me to be, how much broken would that fix in my life? I certainly would be less selfish which would cause less conflict, <laughs> which would bring unity to the body, which would on and on and on and on and on. So my, my two daughters, Brittany and Morgan, have never once, never once stood in a line with a bowl in their hand, knowing that at the end of the line there was a bowl of rice and a bowl of pinto beans. And they would walk through the dirt in their bare feet and sit down and eat that with their fingers never once. You know what else has never happened with Brittany and Morgan? Never once have they kind of come walking into where I was, grin on their face, trying to get my eyes, saying, hey dad, hey daddy, I love you daddy. Daddy, I noticed in the pantry there's some bread and some peanut butter. Hey dad, you feeling generous today? Dad, what about, what about what about letting me go make myself a peanut butter sandwich and jelly? Would you? Come on, Dad. I mean, we know you got it in there. You know I'm hungry. I've never done that. No, we're family. When you're a family, you don't buy groceries and say, these are mine. They're ours. My girls go to the pantry and get what they want. Now they just come and get it and take it back to their house with them. <laughs> and on the way out the door, they say, do you know how much this stuff costs? <laughs> no, you did, we're family. This is not mine, this is ours. You don't need to ask. I mean, we just share when you're a family, right? And that's how the early church saw themselves. 
They saw themselves as part of this family, as part of this same army. We're on the same team. We're all together. You're my brother. You're my sister. And we are all moving in the same direction. We're all striving for the same goal. We all have the same mission. We want to share this Jesus message with everything, everybody we can, even though we are being threatened not to do it. And so as we move forward together, if you need something and I have it, then why wouldn't I give it to you so you can keep marching beside me? See? I think I've made that point pretty well. I've said it about seven times now. They're Jewish people. And all their lives they've read the references of the Old Testament to one day there being this community where debts are forgiven. And they see themselves as part of this new covenant community that God has established through Jesus where that life is now being realized. The kingdom of God, they're saying, has truly come to earth. What a way to live. What a kingdom to be a citizen of. All right. So, we're sitting in a meeting with a gal who attends our church named Natalie Espinoza. She runs our rec ministry. She's on our church staff here. And she said, you know, when my husband Wally died, I was 24 years old. I had a little boy. I'm a 24-year-old widow. And she said, uh, I was attending this little church, and uh, they overwhelmed me. They gave me money. I didn't have any money. I mean, they gave me thousands of dollars. And she said, it, it transformed me. It changed the way I think about church people. It changed the way I thought about money. I mean, it just, it changed me. Two years ago today, I stood here with a group of people who have attended our church for a long time. And we said, we're sending you to Midtown. We prayed for them. Your attitude was amazing. It was, let's give it away. We love them. We don't want to see them go, but we like the idea of giving them for a cause. We collected a lot of money that past year that they would have given, and we sent them with the money. But then what else did you do? You gave this offering, this very generous offering. And you understand they've kept building to that offering and adding to it until that offering got up to $1 million. And today they have a building that they own that is being renovated. And they've raised the money to do it. And a lot of that giving came through people like you. We asked you just a few weeks ago, we had this community called Two Lakes. We have Pastor Thaddeus there. We need to help them financially. And you gave, I think the last I heard was maybe just under $100,000. Let me tell you something. What a community does with its resources says a lot about a community. Right? And people seem to notice. 
When Luke tells the story, he says, the Lord was adding to their number. Every day people were getting saved. I mean, every day people were joining this community. And I know they were joining him because of the message and because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think they were also joining because they saw this very generous people and they said, I want to be a part of a community like that. I remember this guy before he became a Christian and he wasn't very generous. He was greedy. <laughs> and now he's generous. And no wonder their witness was so powerful because people saw how they were living and said, that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. And so I think I ought to be all done, okay? But here's what I want to ask you just one more time. Should I pray that God helps me become generous? Should I strive toward, work hard to, try harder to be more generous? Or do I just get my life centered on the mission that Jesus has called me to and give myself to helping people come to know Jesus and helping people become like Jesus? And how much that's broken in my life would get fixed if I did? I've had a ton of conversations this week. After last Sunday's sermon, you remember last Sunday's sermon on boldness? Nobody? Okay, seven? Good. It's about 7% of us. We're doing better. People have talked about, Pastor, in a moment, God gave me the courage to be bold. And, and it's defined here. It's not a matter of screaming out your beliefs at somebody. It's a matter of saying, I'm not going to let anything keep me from sharing Jesus with people. And our best strategy is just to live with our arms open, just inviting people into our lives, a genuine love for people. Come and, come, come and be with me. Let's get coffee. Let's get lunch. Let's get dinner. Come to the house. Let's spend some time together. Let's talk. Let's talk about faith. At some point, let me share with you the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. At some point, you might even invite them to your church. And I felt like this week the Lord created opportunities for me to be bold. And I remember taking that step twice this week. I wonder if I would have taken it had it not been for last Sunday's sermon. A friend of mine said to me at lunch the other day, it comes down to this. How bad do you want something? Are we going to be the church? The church that Jesus called us to be. God help us. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me, would you? Let me pray for you, and then in response to the word this morning, we're going to sing, okay? So, Father, you're... You're, you're speaking to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. If I, 
have ever been sure of anything in my life, I'm sure of this, that you are speaking to us today. Open our hearts, God, I pray. And let us be the church that in your heart you dreamed we could be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. go from here to take the word that you have received and make it come alive in your life to love and serve others. May the peace of Christ go with you as you go. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.